Hey there, friend. Listen, I want to invite you to join me for an upcoming presentation I'm offering called How to Shift from Willpower to Want Power. If you're tired of feeling like you have the best of intentions with food and weight, only to have it all fall by the wayside by the time your head hits the pillow at night, then this is for you. If you're interested in making permanent weight loss easier and less of a struggle, then this is for you. If you're curious what want power is, which you probably should be, and can't wait to learn how to incorporate it into your journey toward peace and freedom around food, then this is for you. I'll be presenting live twice on Wednesday, May 1st, 2024, at both noon and 7.30 p.m. Central Time Zone. I'll answer your questions live and we'll have a really good time together. But if you can't make either of those days, I'm not going to make you get a replay emailed into your inbox only for it to get lost and never be watched no matter how deeply you want to make time to go through it. Because I mean, honestly, who are we kidding? (laughs) We've all done this, including me. No, instead, we are offering multiple watch parties for several days after the live presentation. So come watch the replay with other doctors and interact in the chat with them and my team. So either way, whether you come live or to a watch party, it will be worth your time for sure. All you have to do is register at katrinaubellmd.com forward slash want power. That's katrinaubellmd.com forward slash w-a-n-t-p-o-w-e-r. See you there. You are listening to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast with Katrina Ubell, MD, episode number 155. Welcome to Weight Loss for Busy Physicians, the podcast where busy doctors like you get the practical solutions and support you need to permanently lose the weight so you can feel better and have the life you want. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food, you're in the right place. Well, hello there, my friend. How are you? I I'm so excited for you to listen to this podcast episode today. I cannot even stand myself. It's such a good one. I know it's long, but I really want to make sure that you listen all the way through. This is such good stuff. And I would love for you to share it with anybody who you think could be helped by it. I do just want to let you know that there is one little expletive in there. So if you have children around and you're concerned about that, then this will be one that you'll want to listen to with headphones. But otherwise, it's nothing crazy, but just wanted to let you know, give you the heads up. I know sometimes some of you listen with kids in the car. So I want to introduce Megan Shank. She is an amazing physician. She's going to tell you all about herself, but she is from Canada. She actually lives in the Yukon Territory, and she's like one of those old town country doctors, except she's a total badass and does, you know, like medevac stuff too and all this crazy stuff that just makes me feel a little stressed out just even thinking about, to be honest. But she's amazing. We're so glad to have people like her in the world taking care of us. But so she is somebody who reached out to me. She's a, has been a client now for almost a year. And she reached out to offer coming onto the podcast to discuss the binge eating that she has been working on. And this is something that I've addressed a little bit on the podcast. I address it more within my program. And I've worked with many, many clients who have trouble with binging. But this is the first time that we're really digging in on binging. And she is just the perfect person to describe her whole 
process through just identifying what was going on for her and coming up with a solution and working through that. And she's very upfront that it's not like she's completely solved this problem for herself, but she has made such incredible strides. It's really inspiring to listen to. And I know that so many of you are going to get a lot out of it. Even if binging isn't something that you struggle with at all, you're still going to get a ton, ton, ton out of it. So be sure to listen to all of this. Now, if you are interested in learning more about working with me, if you struggle with binging, or even if you don't, then I just want to encourage you to go to katrinaubellmd.com forward slash info. I NFO, and you'll get more information about what the program is all about that she talks about. So I cannot wait for you to hear this interview with Megan. Please enjoy. Hey, Megan, thanks for coming on the podcast. Hi. I'm so excited to have you here. I really, really, really super appreciate you raising your hand to come on. Super great. Yeah, All right. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, good. Okay. So let's start with you telling us just a little bit about yourself. Just contact you are, where you live, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm 34. I'm a rural family doc in Whitehorse, Yukon, which most people have no idea where that is, but it's remote Northern Canada beside Alaska. I do everything. So we do private practice, eMERGE, Medivac, addictions, med, hospitalist, which is great. And I have a husband, Luke, and a three and a half year old daughter, Rylan, and a couple of dogs. Awesome. Super cool. Okay. So today we're going to be talking about binge eating and we're going to really just dig into the whole thing. And I, I was saying to you before we hit record, like I'm so excited to just talk about all the things, but first we're going to start off with you telling us your story of just when this all began and kind of the whole progression up until just pretty recently. Yeah. So I come from a like naturally thin family. My sister, my parents are both very thin my parents like really prioritized healthy eating. We exercised as a family. Like I was always very active, but ever since I was about in the first grade, I started to become overweight and I don't like, I don't really remember how it started, but I have memories sort of as early as being eight or nine of just wanting more food, like all the time. Like we would have I don't know, like my family was big for frosted flakes for breakfast and we would have mm-hmm. frosted flakes and my sister and dad would have a bowl and I would have four bowls and just feel like I couldn't fill myself up. Like I always wanted more. Those are sort of my earliest memories of feeling a little bit different than my family. And I was still very active and, you know, my parents were really good. Like they were never like, no, like don't eat that. But I just, I know that I felt different. And so that sort of continued on throughout most of my childhood. Like I think I was telling on this on a coaching call once, but I was maybe 10. And I remember at Halloween and I was just, I ate all the Halloween candy sitting in a closet by myself because my parents would hide it because otherwise I would eat it all. And then I ate it all and I was so embarrassed. So then I like ran to the neighbors and threw out the wrappers so that nobody would know, which of course they still knew because there was no Halloween candy left. But (laughs) I just, I like from a young age, remember this insatiable appetite for sugar. Like I never, ever overate like pasta or chips or things like that. It was always, always for the sugar. And then just in prep for this podcast, I was thinking back a little bit on how my parents sort of rewarded us. So I was always a child that very much needed a lot of external validation, have always been a people pleaser. And we were rewarded with, with treats. So if I did well in school, we got like candy. If we, if I was, you know, got a fast time in swimming, we would go get a Rice Krispie square. And so 
in my brain, it became sort of entrenched. Like you do a good job, you get sugar and you love sugar. So you want to work harder to do a good Mm. job kind of thing. And it just became this like thing kind of growing up. But I, so I I knew something was different because I always just wanted to eat more, but I didn't really, I didn't really have much shame. Like there was the shame of being embarrassed or like that I let my parents down by eating all the candy, but you know, at school and stuff, like I just, I was the bigger kid. I was still, I had a lot of friends. I still did like volleyball and all that stuff, but I, it didn't seem to affect me too, too much. I was just overeating tons. And I, you know, we've talked in the past about the distinction with binging. And I definitely, even at that young age would eat so much to the point that I wanted to be sick. Like it was not just like eating, a you know, more because I wanted more. It was sort of this compulsive need to keep eating as fast as I could until I felt sick. Yeah. So let's, let's pause there just for a second to talk about that, because that was definitely something that I wanted to address is kind of this difference between what is like actual binging and what is overeating and where that line is. And in my mind, I think of it more as like a spectrum. Mm-hmm. So where binging is on the far end of the spectrum and where you draw the line, like if you look at DSM criteria and things like that, there is a line where mm. somebody has, you know, sort of not necessarily arbitrarily, but a line has been drawn somewhere. But in the common just vernacular of what we, we just talk about binge listening to a podcast, binge watching yeah. Netflix. And then we start talking about, you know, binging. Like I've had clients be like, oh, I'm binging. I was just binging so much. I'm like, so what did you eat? And they're like, well, I had a handful of chocolate chips. I'm like, well, hold on a second. That is not actually binging. Like that's overeating or that's urge-driven eating, I like to call it, because you had an urge to eat it and that drove you to eat it, even though maybe you were already full. And I remember actually somebody telling me a couple of years ago, just describing how she had binged. And she said how she ate so much food to the point where she felt so much pain in her stomach. And then in order to make that pain go away, she ate more food. Yes. And I remember thinking like, okay, that is different. Like that is not the same thing as I just ate a really big piece of cake. And I just want, I want to make sure that we're talking about like that the audience understands we're talking about actual binging here and Mm -hmm. how that can be different. So, and, and, you know, people use what they use, but it's important that we know what we're actually talking about here. You're not like, Oh, I just kind of ate a little too much. Sometimes you're like really, really, really excessively full. Totally. And actually what you just said was perfect because that's what I would do. I would feel so sick and want to die. And then I would eat more because I thought it would make me feel better. It was like the weirdest, it's the weirdest conversation to have in your brain, (laughs) but that like, and it, and it didn't start like it started out gradual. Like, and I I agree with the spectrum. Like I, I didn't start out eating till I wanted to be sick, but the more I started overeating, then the more it trended towards eating until I wanted to be sick. And then it was almost like I wasn't in control of my body. Like I felt like something was driving me to just eat and eat and eat. And, and this is from like a super young age that I would just feel this compulsion to do it. And it wasn't just for like negative stuff. I know traditional therapy is very much like you got to find, you know, what's wrong, but like I would binge if I did really well in school or like if I, I was a competitive horseback rider, if we like did super well in our competition, I would just I would go home and just eat until I wanted to die. That's so interesting. So were you doing this in front of the family at this point or how is that all happening? No. So I, I would hide and do it. And so we would at lunch at elementary school, we could cross the street and go to the grocery store 
And I would go and buy with my allowance, just tons and tons of food and then just like sit in the bathroom and eat it. And like, and my, and my parents, like, I'm sure they knew, like I would hide food in my, like I would hoard it and then binge on it. I'm I'm sure they knew, but I think they were just so scared to say anything to make me feel ashamed about my weight. Like I even remember I was maybe 12 and we were at the doctors and they weighed me and they were like, you know, her weight's a problem. And my mom was like, it is not a problem. Like she is not like, she's perfect as she is. Like we eat healthy. Like I think they were very, they're wonderful parents, but very much like we eat healthy. Like there's no problem here. Kind (laughs) of like we eat dinner together every night. And, and I was sort of the good girl who did really well in school. And I did all the things and like, no, like Megan doesn't have a problem. So yeah. So that was sort of elementary school and, and high school was the same. Like I, I didn't get into any purging at that time. It was more just the binging. And I actually, I remember my riding coach cause I'd, she caught me with one one day and I'd had like 14 of those like sweet Nestle iced teas in a row. And she like mm. saw all the cans and all the wrappers and was like, Hey man, like <laughs> what's going on? Oh, like don't yeah. how much is in that. And I was like, no, like, and I just totally made up something about how like, Oh, it gives me energy to like, keep going. And she was sort of, I could tell she was kind of like, that's weird. But then it just, the more people started to find out, the more I tried to hide it because I just felt so ashamed that I had this thing that I couldn't control within me kind of just that would rear itself up in this. Like I was probably binging four or five times a day, a week, like okay. in, throughout sort of elementary and high school. And just like steadily gaining and gaining and gaining. So when I started university, I was, I'm 5'4", I was 190 pounds and I was binging probably four to four nights a week. And the irony here is when I started university, my roommates were all cheerleaders for the Western Mustangs, which is a very, very sort of highly ranked cheer thing in Canada. All of a sudden I was sort of, so when I was binging, like I knew it was wrong, but I didn't have the shame associated with my weight. Like I was shamed that I was binging, but I wasn't sort of like, like I was like kind of self-conscious, but I didn't, you know, I was like, you know, I'm just the big girl, whatever. But now all of a sudden I was like thrust into this world of like calorie counting and fat counting and you exercise to burn off calories, not for fun. And all of a sudden, like my total mindset shifted. And then that's when sort of my real disorder eating became an issue. And so I stopped exercising because I liked it. And I just, we would do as a group, we would do like three hours at the gym. And then, then I would restrict my food because they were restricting their food. And that's what you did if you wanted to watch your weight. And, and the more I restricted my food and sort of exercised as punishment, the more the urges to binge got worse. And that's when I really found myself sort of trapped in this cycle of like restriction binging, exercising for five or six hours to work it off, binging more because I was so hungry from exercising, then fasting for, you know, a day or so to like get rid of the weight. And it, it became just this all consuming thing. And, and it was interesting because I, my roommates also, I, I I feel they probably had bulimia as well, (laughs) but we didn't, we all knew what the other ones were doing, but we never talked about it. Like, so it was still this very like shameful thing and everyone was sort of competing to who could be skinnier but nobody was sort of like hey like does anyone else feel like this is a bit of a problem like (laughs) (laughs) right 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 it was like it was just it was it was a really looking back or just a really interesting dynamic between all of us and 
And so I, that first year of university, I dropped, I went from 190 to 140 in a year with just like restriction, binging, and then exercising. And I, even, even when I was restrict, like there was one summer, I just ate watermelon, like, like a quarter of a watermelon a day for probably four months. And I, I looked great. And everybody was like, you look amazing. Like, what are you doing? And I felt so good about myself because I was looking good. But meanwhile, I was still just like, I knew deep down that what I was doing was just so wrong. And then what really screwed with my brain is I started to gain weight, even with the excessive purging and the excessive food restriction, I would just, I would just keep gaining and gaining and gaining. And then, and then it would make me like exercise more. And then I started like abusing laxatives. And then I, I even like, I tried the vomiting, like self-induced vomiting. It wasn't really my jam. It was more for me, like the excessive exercise. And it just, it was just a cycle. So all throughout undergrad. So I, when I graduated undergrad, like I was probably every other day exercising for five to six hours and I was and on top of this, an excellent student, right? And, yeah, and so we're able to get into medical school. So. Exactly, right? So it was just I'm like, a, how did you have time for that? <laughs> I know. I, well, I would get up at like four in the morning, and I would, I, and then my roommates would go to bed, and I would go like we lived sort of on a hill, and I would just like walk like obsessively up and down this hill, and it was crazy. Like I, when I was sort of prepping for this interview, and I was looking back on that time, like I actually have no idea how I now I think I have no time. And I'm like, well, <laughs> back then, it's like doing eight hours a day of school and like six hours a day of exercise. So, but it was, I just, I felt, I think the biggest thing from that time was I just felt so trapped. Like I felt like I couldn't control my binging. And then if I didn't exercise and I would keep gaining even more weight than I was already gaining. And I, I suddenly cared more about what I looked like than I ever had in my life. So it was just this like horrible feeling of being stuck and of also just being like not good enough. Like my roommates, they didn't have to exercise for five or six hours and maybe they did. Like they could have equally been doing what I was doing. Yeah. But in my mind, like, you know, I was the one that had to like work out so hard and I still wasn't as skinny as them. And like, you know, what is wrong with me that I can't get a hold of this? And, and all I, like, all I thought about was food all the time. Like I would when I was exercising, I would just think about like, what am I, what can I binge on tomorrow? And I would drive out of the way to go pick up food from different places and see like the same patterns, like hiding the food, going out of my way to get it, eating till I wanted to throw up and then eating more to make me feel better. And then the next day, you know, exercising constantly. And did you have any injuries or anything? I'm just wondering how your body could keep up with that. Oh, actually. And I think about that now because my body certainly couldn't handle that now, but I, I didn't like, and I was so strong. Like I remember my, I did a triathlon with my dad and he was like, Oh my God, like you're so fast and you're so strong. Like, so it was this weird, like I was so ashamed of myself, but I was getting such positive validation from everyone around me that it was, it was such a weird sort of bubble. You feel even more stuck because you can't, you, you totally. don't want to break, yeah, break the yeah. facade of what yeah. other people think about you, especially when you're wanting so much external validation and you're totally. wanting them to think positively about you. Yeah. But then there's the shame of like, but if they really knew what was going on. They, totally. Me, like if they, they really think that way about me. Yeah. And then yeah. It was, and, and it's funny because I, like, I don't know, you know, in university, you kind of separate from your parents a bit. And I've always been super close, particularly with my dad. And we'd sort of drifted. But then when I started, 
getting even more fit, it sort of brought us closer again. And it was this thing we would do together. And I would be like, yeah, like I'm biking 30 kilometers with my dad and I can keep up. And, and yeah, it just fed into that, that sort of external validation piece. But always, always, I was like, well, if anybody really knew the real Megan, like nobody would want me, you know? So did anybody really know what was going on at this point? I don't think so. And I still to this day, haven't actually talked about this with my parents. I think they must have had an idea on some level, but I, I never talked about this with anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I just sort of shoved it down to the side. Yeah. yeah. So then you got into medical school and then you didn't have five to six hours. No. Exercise. So what happened? <laughs> so that's, that's when the weight gain really became an issue. So I was still binging because because then in medical school, all of a sudden, I'm not the brightest person in the class. And I'm, I'm not this like standout person that I was all of my life previously. And that was really difficult for me. So all of a sudden, I'm just like one of many. And, you know, it's a lot of like shame based learning. And you're, you know, you don't get much sleep, and you just constantly feel stupid, I felt in med school. And, mm-hmm. and then my that's when the binging really I mean, can it get worse than four nights a week? Yes, it can. But (laughs) so, so that, and that's when, and then I couldn't, I didn't have time. Like I just did not have time to do the exercise. I would periodically, like if I had like an event or if we were going on a warm vacation, I would restrict my food. And then, you know, I would do like two or three hours of exercise a day to get down. Like I was was maybe like 170 in med school and I would get down to 150 for the thing. And then as soon as the thing was over, then I would just regain the same 20 pounds back and forth. But I was binging almost every night. And I actually moved back in with my parents for med school because they lived Mm -hmm. around the corner from it. And I actually have no idea how they didn't pick up on it because it was like a constant, like every single night I would eat until I wanted to die. And then same thing, I'd pack up all the wrappers and stuff, put them in a bag, bring them out to someone else's garbage. Like... Mm -hmm. um, and then that's, and then the weight just sort of like piled and piled and piled. Yeah. Yeah. So then with your residency as well, hmm. I mean, kind of the same thing, right? Just similar thing. The one thing I will say, so I, for residency, I was like, okay, if I take myself out of my normal environment, maybe this will be better. So I actually moved across the country. So I'm from Ontario originally. I moved to British Columbia where I knew nobody. And I, I took up some weird, like I took up whitewater kayaking and which is kind of like an extreme sport that I would never have thought of. But I, I was like, okay, like I'm going to just start exercising for fun again. And I sort of did like it, it sort of got a little bit better in the first year of residency, just being totally removed from my normal environment. Mm -hmm. And that's where I actually met my husband who I didn't talk to about this with any, like any of this at the time, but I was, I was almost happy. Like I was, I found a sport that I really liked again. And I was, I was like, Oh, like this person loves me, even though I'm, I was still, I was still like 170 pounds. And so I didn't, I didn't really binge. Like I definitely overate, but I didn't binge, but then he, he was military. So he got posted on the other side of the country for my last year of residency. And then, then I started binging again. Mm. So, and then I stopped doing sort of the exercise for fun. And I found myself sort of starting back into the sort of food restricting, then binging. And then it, the exercise thing wasn't really a thing for me in residency because who has time for that? But right. mm-hmm. then it sort of, then it started up again, for sure. Yeah. Not, and not so much the purging piece, more just the, like the constant binging. And then after residency, I moved 
back to Ontario because that's where he was posted. And it was, it, it wasn't too, too bad to be honest. Like it was, I would maybe binge once or twice a week. It wasn't because I was, you know, I was getting established in practice and I had control over my schedule. And so I feel like when I had more control in other areas, I didn't have the urge so much to do it. And my husband, like he sort of, he started to sort of notice and it would be like, Hey, like that's a lot of stuff you're eating. Like, are you sure you want to eat it? And so one day I just came right out and I was like, I have bulimia. Like, <laughs> I, like, here you go. Like, you sure you still want to marry me kind of thing. And, and he was sort of like, Oh, okay. Like whatever. So I was like, I'm dropping this huge bomb on you. And he was sort of just like, yeah, he's like, I thought something was weird. Cause you just eat a lot of food. <laughs> Okay. So yeah, so it was sort of like status quo. Like I, I didn't get into the excessive purging, but I, I still binged and I still had a lot of that like deep shame and sort of this, honestly, I just thought that this was me. Like I didn't did think- sharing that with him. Did that give you any kind of relief or like, did you ever think like, maybe I should see a therapist or like, I kind of want to tell someone, or you just kind of kept hoping it would go away. I kept, I it's not even go away. I honestly just thought that that's what I, what, what I did. That was just mm. who I am. Like, like not like, something that to be solved. It's just, yeah. Like, like I just was like, okay, flaw. like yeah. just do this. And I, like, I think I knew I, I kept thinking there was something wrong with me, but I didn't think of it in terms of maybe someone can help me with it. I was just sort of like, this is my shame and my cross to bear kind of thing. Mm, got it. Okay. Um, so I didn't, so I just sort of carried on. And then, then I got pregnant and I had terrible hyperemesis, which the irony is not lost on me for <laughs> and then literally not being able to control throwing up. But I, but it was super weird. Cause I would, I would have like two hours in the day where I could eat without throwing up and I would eat and eat again until I was sick. And then I would spend the rest of the day throwing up. So it, and then, and I, you know, I lost some weight and then I would gain some weight and all this stuff. And I, I remember being like, okay, like this is good. I'm not going to gain so much weight in pregnancy because I'm throwing like just this totally disordered yeah, thinking about yeah. it. And then after I had my daughter, that's when stuff really sort of started to get downhill for me. So I, she was super colicky. So I struggled a lot and I was alone a lot because my husband was gone and we didn't have much family support. And then he left the military and we decided then to move across the country to Whitehorse where we moved in with my sister, but he was still gone. He was gone about three weeks a month for work. So we were like, I was building a house, like solo parenting my one-year-old and like getting established in a new medical community. And I, I just totally lost myself. Like I couldn't function. I was miserable and I was yelling all the time. And I, like, I just, I didn't know who I was anymore. Like I felt like I just, that person of the past who did all these really cool things was just totally gone. And I, I remember one morning, I can't remember, I think it was like January, 2018. And I was trying to get my kid out of her crib and I couldn't even like lift her. I was so weak just from deconditioning and being mm. so overweight. And I was like, ah, this is not cool. And so I joined this like online fitness challenge and it was like four 30 minute workouts a week. But I finally started to like connect back to that person who used to just exercise for fun and to feel strong. And I was like, okay, like I can do this. And then my sister was great. Like she, I I think she's always known I've had a problem with overeating as well. But so she would sort of, we were living together and I would be binging and she'd be sort of sitting there being like, Hey, (laughs) so now you're doing it in front of her. I was just trying to hide it. Yeah. Yeah. And and like, and, and then she sort of started 
overeating to keep me company almost. Like it was like, I think I felt bad that I was like doing it. So then she would overeat and then I, then I would feel so guilty. So then I would eat more. It was like this really weird (laughs) dynamic we were going, but, but so then we started running together. And so we, we, my daughter, we put my daughter in bed and we would just like run laps around. She lives on a farm and it sort of brought me back that, like that joy of, of exercise again and connecting with people and not just being like Megan, the mom and Megan, the doctor and Megan, the wife. And, and that was really great. So we, so I, I, I mean, I only lost about 10 pounds cause I was still binging nightly, but I started to realize that I could feel better. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. Like I started yeah. to kind of just be like, Oh, maybe I don't have to live my life. Like I'm treading water with my head barely above, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe something here. And and then I injured my foot. So I was running maybe about 40 kilometers a week and I got terrible plantar fasciitis that now two years later is still a problem, but I couldn't run anymore. And then I, I, that really sort of triggered me into getting like really deeply depressed. I think like I, mm-hmm. I, then I, then the binging got much worse. And then we actually moved into our house. So I didn't have my sister and my husband was still gone and I was alone mm-hmm. at night. And yeah. that just, led to these huge, huge amounts of binging. So then, then it, I think it was like, it was October of 2018 that I found your podcast and it was, I don't even know how it was. I think it was like a Facebook ad or something. Like it was a super random thing and it just popped up and I was like, okay, like I'm a busy physician. We'll see what this lady has to say. <laughs> and I, I listened to the first one driving my daughter to daycare and I started crying. Cause I was like, wow, like you just pulled all the things out of my head. Like this is crazy. And she was like, why is this lady making you cry, mommy? Like, what's going on? And I was going to decide to pull over and I was like, just give me a minute. (laughs) I think I just listened to like the first 10 episodes in a week. Like I just sort of, I I hate using the word like binge listened because it just brings up so many things. But I quickly listened to them all. And I was like, okay. Like, so, and, and I, I didn't do any of the things though. I was just consuming the information. And I was like, you know, one day when my house is done and I'm working less, my husband's home and I have more time, like I'll do all of these things. So I didn't, I was listening and I finally felt like, Hey, like maybe, maybe there is something that we could work like that. I could work on to make myself not do this. That was sort of the first time that I actually started to think like, I don't have to live my life maybe like this, Mm -hmm. but just planted a seed. And then I remember I reached out to Kathy in like November or something. And I was like, how much does this cost? And then in Canadian dollars, it's a whole lot more. And I was like, oh, hell no. Like, (laughs) there's no way I can ever spend this much money on myself. I'm not doing it. And then just things got worse. Like my, I was miserable at work. I was miserable as a mom. I was miserable as a wife. I, I honestly just felt hopeless and trapped in my life. And and then I just was on a night shift and I signed up for the January 2019 group. And I, as soon as I signed up, wanted to go and vomit. I was so nervous. <laughs> and then, and then I, I same thing as sort of Brenda you had on the podcast. I was like, maybe I can get my money back. Like, <laughs> I don't think I should have done this. I was just totally panicked. And then I went home and I just ate and I ate and ate and ate. So I, I think I signed up early December and the program started at the end of January. And I kid you not, I gained 15 pounds before it started. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, this is it. Not going to binge anymore. Like we're all in, and I I just ate all the things all the time. But it was okay because I knew once the program started, I would be all in, and I would you know fix myself kind of thing. So yeah, so then that brought me to to January of last of 2019, last year, 
Before we get into that, yeah. what was your kind of, were you, were you thinking like, I'm just going to lose some weight or were you thinking like, maybe she can help me stop binging or what was your thought about the binging going into it? I, no, I, I didn't think you could help me stop binging. I okay. thought that you could help me lose some weight. And I thought it would be like all, I've tried all the diets. I thought yeah. it would be like all of the other things where I just, you know, I did it for six months. I lost some weight and then I probably would gain it back. Like, mm-hmm. but I, at, th- at this point I was just sort of like, well, I can't keep gaining, so I might as well try it. But no, I, I did yeah. not. Still, my binging to me was an unfixable problem. Yeah. 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 So you you came into the program. Yeah. And you started following it. Yeah. And, and I, did, I did the I did the no flour, no sugar for six weeks. And actually, my, my urges to binge completely disappeared for those six weeks. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, and I was, I was doing the thought work. Like, I know a lot of people are sort of like, yeah, I left it to the side. But yeah. I actually... Like, you know, I started with just five minutes a day, but it was all very superficial or I would focus on like my work or my husband or my parenting. Like I, I did not in Waldo at all. I did not focus at all on the binging because in my mind it was still, that's the core of me is this person. Therefore that's not fixable. So I'll fix all these other things. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is also good. Good time spent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and so it was great. Like I, I lost 30 pounds in Waldo. I, I completely changed the way that I think about my life. So, and I think we, you've talked about this before on podcasts, but what I got out of Waldo, there was weight loss, but there was also the way that I view things. And I, for the first time was not in this, like things are happening to me, victim mentality. I realized that I was creating everything that I was feeling with how I was thinking. And so just, you know, before I signed up for Waldo, like stuff with my husband was rough. Like we were not partners at all. We were arguing constantly and I was so angry. And then I sort of, the first thing I did was the relationship module on him. And I just realized like, oh, I don't have to think this way. Like it's not him. He's not the problem. Like the problem Mm -hmm. is my thoughts. And then same thing with work. Like I was turning very like victim-y. Everything was just, if, if only all these other people would change, my job would be easier kind of thing. And that's where I focused a lot of my work and my, my life got infinitely better. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. And I, it's actually funny because even, I think it was even February, my dad came up to visit and he was like, what are you doing? Like you, you look so much happier. And this was like a month into the program. And he was like, I don't understand this. And I was like, well, I have a life coach. Like, <laughs> my dad was like, I don't understand what that is. And I explained it to him. And, and it was funny because he was sort of, he and my sister kind of clash. And I'm, that's another issue. I'm generally the mediator between them. And he, they had just had this huge thing. And I was like, well, what if you thought about it this way? And he was sort of like, did your life coach tell you that? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, this, this could actually work. Like that's really something. And I just remember being like, it is like, holy moly. But so, awesome. Yeah. So I was losing weight and I, and it was good. Like I was really working on the other areas of my life that I previously felt like I was very stuck in. And my husband too was joking. Cause he was like, we need to buy this Katrina lady a gift because <laughs> holy moly, <laughs> you're so nice. <laughs> And I was, and I just, and I was better as a parent. Like I, I was so yelly before and I constantly, I would yell and then I would feel guilty. And I was like, I'm clearly destroying my daughter. Like I shouldn't have been a mother, like all of this stuff. And, and it was just, everything got better from that perspective. But then I started adding in joy eats 
mm-hmm. which are the, and I, I only did sugary joy eats cause that's mm-hmm. what a joy to me is sugar. Yeah. And then the urges to binge started creeping back in. So I, it was sort of probably the end of March that I started binging again. And it was sort of, it would be like maybe once a week and I would binge and then I would, I would have the thoughts of, Hey, if you just fast a little bit longer tomorrow, like it kind of makes up for yeah. it. And, and then I, I would be like, Oh, you know, like maybe I could fit in a couple extra hours of bike riding to sort of work that off. And I noticed the, the difference now though, is that I noticed, like I noticed right. the thoughts that I was having, whereas before like I just did. It was just whatever your brain offered you. Now you had that awareness of like, that's so interesting that that's what my brain's telling me. Totally. And I, and so I was like, okay, so I, I would, I would binge. And, and again, this is the like eating so fast, all of the food till I want to die. And I, and I noticed too, like I was starting to, when I first started the program, I stopped like driving to this one particular store that had these chocolate covered thingies that were my favorite and then I noticed that one day I'd had a really crappy emerge shift and I drove and got these like chocolate covered jujubes. And I was like, Megan, oh dear. Like, <laughs> yeah. Is, Had you thought at this point, like, oh, maybe I'm cured. Like, were you like pretty disappointed or how no, did you respond to that? Yeah. Like I sort of did think I was cured. I was like, oh, I just don't eat sugar and I don't binge. Like I'm, this is, this is good. Problem like, solved. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then as soon as I started creeping in, I went to the immediately to, well, this just proves that, that this is me and there's something wrong with me. Mm. So if I can get my shit together and eat properly for the rest of the week and I binge once a week, you know, okay. And I was still losing weight despite that. And I, I wasn't like, I was, I didn't let myself excessively fast or excessively exercise because I, I didn't, I knew that that was one thing I didn't want to go back to. So I, I was like, okay, like, you know, if I manage this the rest of the time, I can still lose weight. But, but yeah, that's just the deep core of you is this rotten person who just binges and that's fine. You know, I I can think better thoughts about that terrible (laughs) circumstance. Right. And it's so funny because I never even thought to look at that as a circumstance and wallow. Like I just never... I don't know what it, I, I honestly wonder if it was maybe just avoidance. Like I didn't want to do yeah. that. Deeper or a little work. bit of denial. Like it's, yeah. it's just not even like a thing that's, you know, it's off limits for what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, so then I finished Waldo and I, I was down 30 pounds and then my weight loss sort of stalled and I went right into masters. And I remember the same thing. I was like, Hmm, I don't think I can spend this much money on myself. And my husband was like, please just do it. Like, just sign up. <laughs> like, just please, for the love of God. <laughs> so, so I was like, okay, perfect. And then, and then I asked for coaching. Like, so, well, so my weight loss stalled big time, which then, then sort of all of those old feelings started coming back. So then I started being like, well, that's it. There's six months. I lost the weight now. So now I'm going to gain it back. Like, might as well just give in. And then the binging sort of started to increase and it was sort of like two days a week. And, and then it was actually my husband the one day, cause I was like binging in front of him. And he was like, you know, I thought we didn't like do this anymore. Like why, yeah. why don't you ask Katrina about it? And I was like, no, Katrina can't help me with this. Like, this is like the core of me that's wrong. Right. And, and he was sort of like, well, I don't know, like maybe you should try. <laughs> like, no, like I was so, I, it was just, I was so convinced that this is not something that's fixable, but also in masters to me, I, of course, I'm the only one with this problem, right? Like nobody else could still be doing this work and binging and 
I'm this special snowflake. I'm the only one that's got this problem. And I was like, oh, it's not going to be helpful for anyone else. Like I shouldn't waste time with this. This is stupid. And plus it's not fixable anyway. Like this whole, I had this whole story. It was very believable at the time, but I was like, okay, like I was all in for everything else. Let's just try it. So then I asked for quote call help on that call. Mm -hmm. And I, so I felt sick when I signed up. Like I was, I was literally even right leading up to it. I was like, I'm not going to do this. Like, I'll just say I had to go on a medivac or something. And then, <laughs> and then That's the hard like, thing when you're a doctor, you always have that, oh, that out. Always an excuse. <laughs> no. And so but then I was like, no, Megan, like you trusted Katrina before and this stuff worked, like just do it and see what happens. And if everybody else thinks it's stupid, that's great, but you don't know anybody else. So, okay. So I just, I talked myself up and we did it. And I, I felt this like huge weight lift. Like I, I suddenly was like, okay, like I can talk about this. And you were so kind to me on the phone. And I was like, okay, like maybe, you know, maybe this is something that is fixable. And then, so on that call, we'd sort of talked about just like, you know, the times when I tend to binge more. And we talked about creating like an urge protocol of, of what to do if I felt, cause I knew when I was going to binge, cause the thoughts would start very early in the day. And we kind of mm-hmm. came up with all that. And I hung up and I was like, great. I talked about it. I made my binge protocol. I'm fixed. Like, (laughs) this is it. And I redid all my goals. And I was like, I'm not going to binge anymore and blah, blah, blah. And I focused, I was like, okay, like today went well, I didn't binge. And then I just binged. Like there was no tomorrow Mm. for months. Like it was like multiple times a day craziness because I I don't even, I don't even really know. It was this thought of like, I'm not going to binge anymore combined with well, I talked about it and asked for help. Therefore it should be fixed. So why isn't this getting fixed? Like it sort of turned into like <laughs> a bit of a disaster actually. And I started to panic and I was like, I, I couldn't even step on the scale. Like when mm. at the end of our original weight loss for doctors only like the scale to me, I was like, okay, like, you know, this is a data point. And then it became just this like thing in the morning that was looming. And I was so scared to get on the scale. And but then I asked for help again. I didn't sort of run away. I was like, okay, no. this is what's happening. And again, you, you were great. I just want to say it would have been so easy to just run away and like basically ghost me and just like, yeah. you know, I never hear from you ever again. And yeah. yeah. So I just wanted to point that out, right? The yeah. fact that you're like still here and still yeah. asking for help, right? It really says a lot. Yeah. Okay, continue. Yeah. And so then, then from there, we sort of worked on what if you plan your binges into your eating plan? Because what I was doing was I was just putting the food that I thought that I should eat to lose weight. And then I would eat off plan and then just prove to myself that I couldn't stick to my plan. And so I started planning in like the ass grabs and the binges and it sounds crazy, but it actually did help to take some of the, like the stress off a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then I started to sort of prove to myself, okay, like I can follow my plan yeah. And I gained weight, like I, I gained back 15 pounds. And, and we talked about that, like this whole process, it cannot occur while you're also losing weight. Exactly. Like you have to yeah. be willing to gain some weight throughout this process to end up losing all the weight. Because like you were saying, you, you end up hitting this point where if you're going to keep binging, like you just cannot continue to lose weight anymore. Like it's just not possible. And then, and then you try doing more extreme things, more diet mentality things of like trying to do, you know, excessive fasting. And, and I've seen that, you know, in different Facebook groups and stuff too, where it's like, you know, these long, long fasts all throughout the week 
all based yeah. on willpower, right? And then on yeah. the weekend, like, oh my gosh, you guys, I just ate so much food and it just like, it doesn't work. So I feel like that can be a hard, especially in a weight loss group, it can be a hard ask. Like even from your perspective, like buying in on like, wait, now I got to gain weight on this thing. But it's like, if you really want some freedom from what is happening, like what this whole, I mean, decades long situation yeah. that you've been in, it's like this, this part has to be solved before yeah. we can move on, you know, to anything else. And so the point of planning it out is that there's, you're taking away the resistance, right? Cause you're like, I'm probably going to binge today. I don't want to binge. I shouldn't binge. Binging is wrong, but I want but I do want to binge like th- just all that whole nonsense around there. It's just like tonight, if I want to binge, I'm going to binge totally yeah. different yeah. experience. Yeah, totally. And I think too, once I asked for help, I, I suddenly knew that I could be helped. And so I wanted to buy in to do the things that would help me. And then I, and then too, like, I, I also like, I have a daughter and the last thing that I want is to model for her, the behaviors that I'm doing with food. Like, so I was like, okay, like I asked for help. She has these suggestions. I'm just going to do it. And I, like, I did freak out when I started gaining weight. I was like, oh no, (laughs) we're not doing this. But I was like, nope, like I'm going to try it. Like everything else has worked. And I, and it did get easier. Like I, I found I was binging a lot less. And I mean, by a lot less, I was still binging probably four nights a week, but it was less than when I initially had asked for help. And I, and it took away the, the self like loathing piece of it. Mm -hmm. But the next thing that came out of that though, was this sort of feeling like deep down there was something wrong with me and that's why I binge. And that's sort of what came out of, of this, the work I did sort of a lot, a lot of thought downloads on like, why, like, why do I keep doing this? Even though I know that I don't want to. And it just sort of came down to like, I felt like I was broken. Like there's sort of something wrong with me that can't, that maybe like should be fixed, but couldn't for a long time. And now I'm asking for help. And I, and then it it was sort of that. And also like, well, maybe I don't deserve to be fixed kind of thing. Like I, and, and I remembered on the first call we did at the very end, I'd said, I just don't feel like I deserve the life that I've had. And it was like right before we'd hung up and I listened to it again. And I was like, well, that's a weird comment. Cause I, I never thought I had like a self worth problem. Like I was like, well, I'm great. Like, you know, (laughs) and then, and then I was like, well, that was weird to kind of come out. And I sort of like looked into it and I was like, wow, no, this is actually that, like, I feel deep down that something is broken inside of me and that's why I binge. So it's, you know, it's not in my control. It's because I'm broken. It just needs to be sort of fixed. And by continuing to binge, it just further supports your belief, right? You believe that something's wrong with you, right? That you're like unfixable. So like, then if you stopped binging, then what? Then that's not who you are, like your whole life, right? There's this this wrong, this thing that's wrong with you, the thing that you do that's wrong. So if you follow that model through, it's like that belief will create more binging, the action of binging. And so I think once you've had that kind of realization, it's like, Oh my gosh, like it doesn't necessarily make stopping binging easier, but it at least just changes your whole mental construct on what it is and why it's happening. Yeah. And that's what kind of came up. So right after I'd I'd emailed Kathy about doing this podcast with you, I texted Brenda, who's become a good friend of mine from Masters. And I was like, I can't believe I did this. I'm an imposter because I'm not fixed yet. Those were my exact words. And she wrote back, the fact that you think you need to be fixed is the problem. And I was like, 
Oh, and so I, I've <laughs> <laughs> been saying, but it suddenly kind of clicked. And then I had a call with Lynn shortly after. So Lynn is one of the other coaches in the program who does one-on-one calls with masters. Yeah. And I was sort of like, I feel like, so I came to the thought that what if I just started binging to cope with emotions and it became a habit and it's not that there's anything wrong with me that needs fixing. And, and she was like, yeah, that could be it. But like, what's the underlying belief that you had before that? And what we came to was that I am broken. Therefore I binge. And then she said, well, what if your thought was maybe I'm not broken? What is the thought? Like, what is the feeling that that leads to? And to be honest, the first thing they came up was fear, like, mm-hmm. like panic attack, like heart racing, palm sweaty fear. And she was sort of like, well, like, why do you think that is? And I was like, because I, I literally do not know who I am without binging. Like I, right. I have no memories where I haven't binged. I don't know what it would be like to not think about food all day long or how to work off my excess food or how would I even cope with good positive emotions or negative emotions. Like it it was, it sort of opened this whole, like, I don't know who I am thing. And this was just two weeks ago. So this just goes to show like this this is like onion layers. (laughs) More layers, right. And you've talked about this before, but it didn't, it didn't really click in my head until Brenda sent that text back. And I was like, maybe I'm not broken, but maybe I, but I didn't want, I wanted to still feel broken because that feels safe to me because I know who I am. It's so familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it's like, you have to now get to know that version of you, that future self, like who is a woman who doesn't binge? Mm -hmm. Like, getting to know her. Like she's totally like just this like foreign, foreign exchange student, right? You had someone who moved in and you're like, what is she doing? She's eating a lot of food until she feels sick. That's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's where a lot of my work has been in the last two weeks is just sort of been like, well, okay. Like I'm feeling like happiness and I want to eat a cupcake, but like, what would somebody who doesn't need to eat to celebrate? want to do in this situation. And so, and, and like, it's not perfect. Like I, I still, I haven't been binging, but I, I still will overeat. And actually that's something I should say since it's been about two months now, since I've actually binged, since I started actually forgiving myself almost and, and sort of being like, okay, like planning it in and, and sort of making it okay. I, I definitely cut down on the urges. Yeah. And then the less you, the less that I binge, then the less strong that the urges get. I, and like, do I think that I'm like, that I'm never going to binge again? I don't know. Like I might, might binge again, but at least now I know, like, it's not because there's something wrong with me. It's because right. this is like a deeply ingrained habit. habit. And it's not like, it's like, I think, you know, kind of having this idea of like, you know, but will you never, you know, will you never binge again? Will you never, whatever? Like, who cares? All you need to know is like right now, do you want to binge? You know, it's like not today. I don't think I'm going to today, but you know, maybe someday I will, but today probably not like that. That takes away that pressure of like, Oh my gosh, forever for the rest of my life. Never, you know, it it adds so much more mental drama to it versus like, all I need to worry about is what I'm going to do today. And today I'm just thinking, I don't need to do that. Yeah. And I even do, I'm even sort of like, like I, I could binge today if I want, 
but I don't really want to because I don't really want to feel so full. Like I'm actually to the place where I can be like, I don't really feel like feeling that way. So I'm going to pass on that. But thanks, Brittany. Like, yeah. And then the other thing too, I wanted to bring up too, was I had this moment with my daughter. So she's three and she just had a massive dinner and I was cutting up her apple for the next day. And she was like, I want the apple. And I was like, no, like you're you're just going to like take a bite and lick it and waste it. Like you can have it tomorrow. And she had the full blown, like, I want the apple, like kicking and screaming on the floor. And I just sort of sat beside her and was like, I know you want the apple. We can have it tomorrow. And I had this sort of out of body experience where I was like, (laughs) wow, that's my primitive brain. And this is how I can show up and hold space for myself when I'm having a tantrum about wanting to binge. Like, I don't have to be like, no, Megan, like, stop it. You don't need this. What's wrong with you? Like, you're so stupid. Like, I was sort of like, I could just sit there and be like, yeah, you want it. I get it, girl. I understand. Sometimes you really want it. It's just not good. It's not what you need. You know? And it's again, it's all stuff you've talked about, but I didn't. I didn't get it until I had these sort of little light bulb moments and I was open to having the light bulb moments. I think it's the biggest thing. Right, 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 right. It's like, it's like what, what Oprah says about luck, you know, it's like preparation meeting opportunity. It's like certain to a certain extent, similar thing, right? Your brain is preparing, preparing, preparing. Then there's an opportunity to look at something a different way or observe something in a new way. And you're Mm -hmm. like, yes, I'm ready. Yeah. You know, yeah, because you're just totally in a different place. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like you're really just making massive progress here, all yeah. because of being open to the idea that this could be something that is optional, really. Right. I don't even want to yeah. say solvable because even like, you know, it, it, looking at it like maybe it's not a problem. Like maybe sometimes people binge, right? Yeah. Like you could just decide, like some people decide to binge, some people don't. I think I'd like to be a person who doesn't versus turning it into this like terrible thing about you or this like medically diagnosable issue or whatever, you know, then I'm this person who does all this stuff. Like what if all of it's just thoughts Yeah, and your brain just doing what it was conditioned to do and it can also be deconditioned to not do that so much anymore. And I think what would be interesting to see like over the course of time is if there is a particularly stressful time in life or, you know, different things are coming up, like does that urge you know, come up again, but it'll, because of the work that you're doing and have done, there'll be so much more awareness around it. Like, oh, that's so interesting. I'm having that urge. Mm -hmm. And even if you did binge, you would be like, oh, okay, that happened. I know how to handle this moving forward versus like, see, I knew there was like that black rotten core just thing again to me, you know? Yeah. And it takes away the fear too. Like I think before, like I, I was so scared to like, fix it because then if I binged again, it would mean that I failed. And I, you know, that I, it's mm. sort of like failing ahead of time, like what yeah. you can talk about with weight loss. But now that I know that I just like, like ultimately it's me that chooses to binge or not binge. It's not something that happens to me. It's not out of my control. It's me physically putting this food in my mouth. Yeah. And now that I sort of know that and accept, it, and I don't make it mean that I'm a bad person because I chose to binge for so long, but I know that I can choose not to in the future. And I know that if I do choose to binge, then the next day I can get up and choose not to. And it's, it's this really sort of liberated place where I I just don't have that, that fear of failure anymore because I know, because I know that I'm choosing to do it. So I can just choose not to. Right. Like, and you can choose, you're just thinking like failure is just a mental construct like anything else. 
So you could define it as failure. You could define it as success. Like here's another time where I binged and then I learned from it so that I can, maybe that's part of this journey that I have to be on. You know, it's, I mean, that might work for somebody and it might not work for, you know, somebody else, but being open, like, I mean, you could just tell the way that you talk about yourself and this whole experience now, how much more you love and respect yourself and like all the parts of you, right? Not the parts that you deem good and acceptable and, you know, the positive parts of you, which are when you're kind of earlier saying like, you kind of thought like, yeah, pretty awesome, right? In those ways, right? (laughs) But like, yeah, let's not talk about the other ways that I, you know, totally suck and I'm broken permanently. Instead, you're looking at it like, I love all of me, including the parts that are painful, that are the parts where I suffer, that are the parts that I would love to change. Like all of that, that love and support is what actually then creates the change. And I I hope that people listening can see that even just in the way that you're describing it of like, once you've had that shift of being like, wait, maybe there isn't anything to fix. Yes. Right. Thanks, Brenda. (laughs) It's like, oh my gosh, like that, the whole world opened up for you. And I also love that I don't get any sense from you that you're in a rush. You're not like, I need to get this sorted out because I've got this weight to lose, or I need this to stop because I just need, I need to get away from it or something like that. It's just like, it's going to take however long it takes. And that patience with yourself is something that is what's going to actually help you create that result. When you're on the timeline, when you're pushing yourself, when you're in a hurry, it's just, it's again, resisting what's happening right now, which doesn't help you solve the problem. And I, I was, I was at first, like, I was like, nope, by, you know, like October, I'm going to weigh this much. Cause we, we were going to try for our second baby. And I was like, nope, like to be pregnant, I have to be at my goal weight. And it was this whole thing. And then it got sort of totally thrown off by doing, by planning in the binges and stuff. And now I I'm actually pregnant. <laughs> so yeah, I, I am, my weight is going like, it is going up and I, I have hyperemesis again. So I'm losing a lot of my nutrients. And my weight still goes up. And that's sort of the new thing of, of sort of managing my, like, it's not about the weight anymore for me. It's about the behavior piece. Yeah. Totally. And I, you know, would I love to get to my goal weight? Yes. Do I think that I will? I think so. It might be two or three years from now <laughs> and that's fine. But if I, for me, if I can continue to sort of show up for myself the way that I am right now, that's all I want. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, right. Cause this is the true peace and the true freedom that you really want. Right. It's like what, how we think we're going to feel when we lose the weight. Right. But if you don't handle the binging, you won't, you'll be hanging on by, you know, by the skin of your teeth because you know, you're just like one binge away from gaining three Mm -hmm. to five pounds and you know, your pants not fitting anymore. Yeah. And I think the, the biggest thing when you're somebody who binges is that so much of your time is taken up by thinking about food and eating food and working off the food that for me, that's the biggest freedom as well is that I like, I, and don't get me wrong. Like I still think about food a lot and it's, it's stuff that I'm working on, but I'm not spending hours and hours a day thinking about food, planning my food, eating food, thinking about how I'm going to work off the food. Like I, I have so much more time in my day to do other things and enjoy other things that I, I didn't realize was so nice. Like I, because this has been my entire life, I didn't realize what it would be like to have sort of a quote unquote, like normal 
mm-hmm. day where you don't spend hours obsessing about yeah. food. And that's been a really nice piece of this too. And that's why like, that's why I think I am in less of a rush. Like, you know, I, I still have 35 pounds to go until I'm at my goal weight. And that's going to go up more now that I'm pregnant and gaining weight despite puking every day. But like, <laughs> I, I know that it doesn't matter what happens because I don't think about food all the time anymore. Yeah. Like if, if that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's been the piece that, that has meant more to me than the numbers on the scale. Yeah. That's so great. Okay. Final question. So I can just imagine that there is a female physician out there who's listening to this whole thing and she's like, totally struggled with binging and she's listening to you and going like, she's so brave. Look how she showed up for herself. Like, I just don't know that I could tell anybody there's been so much secrecy around it, so much isolation, so much shame, so much hiding. And I just don't know that I could really put myself out there in that way to get help. So what would you say to somebody? You are still lovable, whether you do this or not. And you just have to take the leap and ask for help. And I would also say, deep down, there's nothing wrong with you. Okay. And I I think most of us who have had this think that, that there's something, there's something so deeply wrong with us. And, and there's not, (laughs) and I think it just comes down to that. There's nothing, there is nothing wrong with you. This is not something that you have to live with for the rest of your life. And it's something that you are actually in complete control of. So contrary to how I used to think that it was always something out of my control and happening to me, it's not, which is not a reason to beat yourself up about. It's a reason to realize that you actually can change this if you want to. And if you don't want to, that's fine too. But if it bothers you and causes you shame, it is totally something that's changeable by doing this work and by trusting yourself and by asking people for help. And I can tell you, I was not, I was so scared to ask for help. And I got so much positive feedback from a lot of the other master's ladies that I suddenly realized like, I'm, you know, you're not the only one that does this. There are so many people that do this as a way to cope. And, and so asking for help just it gives you the tools that you need to then move forward and and sort of create how you want to live your life. I was just going to say so many of the after I coached you for the first time about this, so many other people reached out and we're so grateful. Not just even in support of you but just like that helped me so much and so so thankful to you for being the one yeah. to step up and yeah. ask for help. I think yeah. that's what I would say to people who are listening is that even though you might think that you're the only one that does this, you're not, you know? And so because you're not the only one that does it, there are people that can help you with it. And, and particularly this work, because it doesn't delve into the sort of the, I don't know, the deep, dark secrets of your past. That's, that's why you binge now. Like it's not that at all. It's, it's literally just, you created a neural pathway to cope with emotions and that's why you binge. Therefore, you can create a new neural pathway to help you cope with emotions that you don't have to do this. But you just have to recognize that first before you can move on. There's nothing wrong with you. There's no deep, dark core of you. You're not a special broken snowflake. It, It literally is as simple as that. It just takes a long time to get there. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Megan. This has been a long one, but I think it's so, so, so good. <laughs> I really, really, really appreciate you. Not again, because I didn't reach out to you to ask you to come on. You raised your hand and said, I would like to share this. And I think it's so much more powerful when it comes 
from that angle. And I think this is going to help so many people. So I just really appreciate you coming on. No, thank you for having me. I hope, I hope that it does. Did you know that you can find a lot more help from me on my website? Go to katrinaubellmd.com and click on free resources. 